Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Where are my adventurous people when you were when you were a child? How many of you were an adventurous child? How many of you ever crossed a creek by stepping on the rocks that were right at the surface of the water? Anybody ever done that? You know, when you're doing that, there's some dangers involved, isn't there? You got to make sure that it's not moss covered or algae covered. Slick. That's the fear, right? You're kind of putting your foot out there and that's the fear. And so you have to be careful where you walk. And this morning, that's kind of what we're talking about. We're going to look at Hebrew, uh, Hebrews. Or in Hebrews, we're going to look at Enoch. Walk this way. And so we're going to pick up in verse 5. And 6 of chapter 11. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Enoch. We thank you that he's in your presence today and that we can still read about him and learn from him even now. And I pray and ask that you will help us to have the same love for you that Enoch had. I pray for the same selfless attitude. I pray for the same heart. Because you haven't changed at all. I ask you to speak to our hearts. And Father, if there's anything keeping us from that, I pray and ask you to strip that out of our heart and mind. Let not our eyes wander to the things of this world, to the things that cause pain, to the things that appeal to our flesh that we think cause joy. But let our eyes not wander from you. And we thank you for what you've done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning as we take a look at Enoch's faith, we're going to discuss pleasing God. We're going to see the requirements to please God and how faith develops. It's really an interesting thing. When I was realized we were on Enoch today, I thought, wow, that's going to be a short sermon. And I was wondering if there would be anybody that would be upset with that. And I couldn't come up with anybody. Couldn't come up with a single name. And so uh, as we dig into Enoch, the more I studied Enoch, the more I realized the depth of this character, although we have very little written about him, we have enough to gain a glimpse into who he was. And so as we begin with the idea, or well, with the fact that, uh, that he pleased God, or when we talk about pleasing God, 
kind of the primary thing, if, if you were to talk to anybody about Enoch, the primary thing that everybody kind of knows about him is that he walked with God and he was no more, and that he pleased God, right? That's kind of what we know, and most people would say that's all we know about Enoch, but I would propose to you that we know a little more than that. And so what I want to do is I want to take a look back. We're going to jump back to Genesis. I'm going to read uh, where Enoch enters the story in Genesis chapter 5, verses 18 through 24. Jared, verse 18, Jared lived 162 years and became the father of Enoch. Then Jared lived 800 years after he became the father of Enoch. And he had other sons and daughters, and all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And so, we enter the story, and we see <laughs> that God took him. Now, we know this to be before the flood, right? After the flood, men's days were numbered to 120, max. But this was before the flood. This was before stuff was written. This was before we had... The law, the, the law, or even the prophets. This was before all that, that Enoch walked with him. And so, who was Enoch? Who was he? You're like, we don't even know. I'm, I'm going to point you to another verse. Jude chapter 1, verse 14 and 16, gives us a little glimpse into who Enoch was. Verse 14, it was about these men that Enoch... In the seventh generation from Adam, what's the next word? What does he do? He prophesied. So what do we know about Enoch? Enoch was a prophet. We also know that he was a priest. So he prophesied. Saying, behold, that the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones. To execute judgment upon all. Now this is Enoch. And to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds. Which they had done in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things. Which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers finding fault. Falling after their own lust. They speak arrogantly. Flattering people. For the sake of gaining an advantage. It happened even then. People blew smoke even then. That's not a, a new invention. And here's Enoch standing up as a prophet of God, prophesying, saying this is wrong. He has nothing in writing. Moses hadn't even existed yet. We're only seven generations from Adam. And he's discerning right from wrong. That comes from the Holy Spirit. We don't do that on our own. That comes from God. 
not of our own, well, I'm going to figure this out, on our own level of morality. And so he, was a, he spoke out against this. Listen, <laughs> he spoke for God. Priests or uh, prophets speak for God. Now, he had the testimony, till we're told here, that he had the testimony that he was pleasing to God. Now, it's interesting that others knew about his testimony. People knew the fact that he was pleasing to God. So there was something different about Enoch. But people knew it, but more importantly, God knew it. God knew that he pleased him. We think that we're kind of, we kind of think of ourselves as insignificant. We think, well, God doesn't take note of me. Why would he? What do I have really to have to offer him? You ever had that conversation with yourself? But God takes notice. God pays attention. God is looking at you. He sees you. Now how many of you just thought to yourself, well I hope he didn't see that. (laughs) The thing is, if you're saved, if you're a Christian and you're in him and he's in you, he did see it. He sees everything you do. But why would we want to sneak around on God? Problem is we don't love him. You don't sneak around on people you love. You sneak around on people you don't love. But see, Enoch pleased God. Enoch pleased God. Well, you just don't understand, Pastor. My life is so hard. Really? I would bet if we were to strip down, if we were to all, not strip down, but if we were to strip down the, the facade that we put on and really get to know the struggles and anguish, I bet it's a lot deeper here for each one of us than we all realize. The problem is we don't feel safe enough to do that. That's sad. And I hope we can, we can turn that tide. Because there's hurting Christians out there that need somewhere safe. Now, let me tell you, even though you're a safe place, you have the potential to hurt other people here. Too glad you came? You have the potential to hurt other people in this room. I do. Let's take it off, let's put it on me. I have the potential to hurt you. Could not hurt you by something that I say, a careless word, something crazy that I do. If you're going to be in a human relationship with anybody, there's potential for hurt. But I love what Kurt, I think, was it? No, Kurt Warner is the quarterback. What was the guy who was a pitcher? I think he was, uh, I need to go back and look. He was pitching in the World Series and he had ankle surgery. 
This was a few years back, and he was bleeding through his sock from the incision site. Say again? Yeah. Kurt uh, Schilling. Yeah, Kurt Schilling. That's who I was thinking of. And he was bleeding through his sock, and they asked him, they said, Why are you pitching? <laughs> Why are you doing that? You're bleeding. And he said, Because I love the game. I love the game more than the pain. And so many times we'll sit on the sideline because of pain. Because we don't love what God's doing. You know what? If we're going to engage with each other, there's going to be that. And when you engage with God, there's going to be things that He begins to deal with in your life so that you can produce more fruit, ladies and gentlemen. The only way to increase fruit production is pruning. Now, we can get upset about the lesson, as I've done in the past. (laughs) That's what I was contemplating, Don, when you were talking earlier today. I was upset about a lesson that I'd gone through. uh, Because I saw the potential, but I think what the point of that storm was the lesson. That was the point. The point wasn't what could have been. That's what was. And so God equipped me with something that I couldn't have gotten any other way. And so here, Enoch is pleasing God. And that's why God works with us. That's why we go through the things we go through. Each and every one of us. So he can get our attention. So he can put his finger on something. Because we're in a refiner's fire. You ever felt like you were in the fire? Instead of building the fire and making noticing the fire was hot. You know, it's interesting to listen to some of these firemen. As they'll say, it was so hot that I could barely even be there. But we can be in the fire and survive. We have evidence of that in Scripture. As long as Jesus is with us. And so... He had the testimony that it was pleasing to God. He, others knew about it, but more importantly, God knew about it. God pays attention to us. God knows your name. You know, anybody... Does anybody have, like, mental assent to what I'm talking about? But you're like, well, God doesn't... I mean, he's got bigger things to worry about than me. You ever sit there and think that? I did. I would if I was sitting where you're sitting. The thing is, you're the biggest thing on this plate. He didn't give his son's life to stop wars and famine and people groups from fighting each other. He gave his only son for you. So... If you want to know what's most important to God, look at the decisions He's made. And so the reason God took Enoch is because Enoch pleased Him. He was so pleasing to God that God wanted Him in His presence. This is a pre-rapture rapture. rapture. (laughs) He wanted Him in His presence. He was so pleasing So can you imagine for just 
a moment, if that was true about you, if you or I were so pleased with God that we just disappeared one day, that'd be awesome. We'd be all like, what happened to Don? <laughs> so you're gaining. You're gaining on him. You got it several centuries to go, though. Can you imagine if that was true about you? You know, the thing is, we can please God by how we walk. We can be pleasing. So what are the requirements to please God? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Here we learn that there's requirements if you want to please God. So if we want to be pleasing to Him, there's only one way to do that. It is our faith that pleases God. Well, but let me come up with this really great thing that a lot of people come to, and I feel really good about it, because we had a ton of turnout, because every seat is filled for two services, None of that pleases God. Alright? Well, I've got people over here that demons are possessing and I'm casting them out. I'm trying to get them out of their lives and I'm, I'm conquering spiritually that unpleasing. I read my Bible and I pray every day that doesn't please them either. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So let's go through our scenarios. God leads me to something and I obey Him. And I have three people show up or 3,000 people show up. My faith and trust in Him pleased Him. I see these people over here that are struggling because the enemy is possessing them with demons. And when I come to pray over them, I'm looking at him. He's leading me and I'm saying yes. They come out. My faith pleases him. When I go to my Bible to read it, I, I open it up and I ask for his leading. Now, I'm not talking about his leading where you open your Bible like this. You okay, lead me to the... That's not biblical. God will speak to you. And maybe I'm really wanting to read Galatians, but God wants me to read Jude. And I say, so, okay, so I'm going to read Jude today. Because I'm feeling... I don't know why. Does it make sense to me? Jude's not really on my radar quite often. I mean, not a lot of us think about Jude much. But I feel led to that. And I hope that my faith and obedience is what pleases me. Not the fact that I read my Bible. The fact that I have faith and follow. Do you see the difference? We can do the things of God without God ever being in them. 
or we can attempt that. And I'm going to tell you something. From somebody who's done it, from somebody who's done it, it's very hollow. And the process I went through is I blamed everybody else first. And I never realized that I was the problem. See, putting on a good show and doing religious things, that's honestly, so what? I wanna I wanna serve with a people whose hearts are completely his, who strip down this religious show and cut the bowl. There's a lot of baloney out there. But we're going to just put on this great thing. We're going to have this massive deal and everybody's going to come to it. You know, and I don't think there's anything wrong in doing that even. If you're led to it. And you use that to connect people with Christ. If it's not about you, well, look what we did. Who cares? It matters what we deliver, ladies and gentlemen. It matters. Discipleship matters. And are we connecting people with Christ? Or are we just wanting to see what we can get out of God? You know, we <laughs> aren't we supposed to be here to minister to other people? How many, don't raise your hands. How many of you, other people will irritate you at times? Everybody's hand, I think, went up. People irritate us. That's why we're here, ladies and gentlemen. All the right. <laughs> I've told you this story before. I had a neighbor that drove up through my driveway, across my yard, into his, across his yard, in his driveway. Because he was upset with me over something that I did not even do to him. They wanted to buy the house that we bought. And so they bought the house next to the house that they really wanted. And I was, he, what he didn't realize is I was right behind him when he did that. And my, what would your initial flesh reaction be? <laughs> yeah, that's what mine was. <laughs> but in that moment, God descended upon my vehicle and, he, and I heard, if you could say I heard it both, uh, audibly, I did. He said, do you know why he did that? And I, you know what my answer was? I don't care why he did that. And God said, no, do you know why he did that? And I was like, okay, why did he do that? He said, because he's lost. And my whole attitude changed. We see people in light of how they impact us instead of where they are. We like the ones that make us feel good about ourselves and the, and the ones that don't. And then there's some people that are just rude. And they don't even know it. How, how many of you have ever said something rude other than me? Thank you. Yeah, it's awful. Now to see it now, it's awful, isn't it? But there's some people that don't see it. How, how many of you think that you may have said something rude that you don't realize was rude? And haven't realized it to this day. I mean, I know I'm like. 
Maybe other people are in that too. The beauty of this study about Enoch is we learn that it's not the what, but the why. People are around us all the time. And now he had the testimony. He had the testimony of somebody who pleases God. And so without it's our faith that pleases God, not our behavior. It's the faith. It's what's behind that. The behavior is what flows out of the faith. Now we can do the actions. I mean, how many of you have ever had your kid clean the room because you told them so? And and you knew they didn't want to do it, and you you even though they did it, you were glad they did it, but it lost a little something, right? Then if they did it out of joy because they want it to be clean and they want their room to be clean, because it's your house. Right? We understand that later in life. <laughs> Not when we're kids. Look, all the kids are leaving. <laughs> He's surrounded. And so, if faith is what pleases God, what is faith? Faith is not just belief, ladies and gentlemen. Faith is not belief. Two different words. Well, I believe in God. You ever witness to somebody and they say, oh, I believe in God. Let me tell you something. The demons believe and at least they tremble. And they ain't going to heaven just because they believe in God. There's something else. Recognizing who he is requires a response. And our response is faith. We think about faith as just being convinced. And where we just trust. If you trust, your trusting is reflected in walking. Because if I'm going to trust him to lead me, I can't not move with him. Does that make sense? Yeah, but you don't understand. I really want this thing. I really want to do this. All right, you know, this sounds like more fun than church. This sounds like more fun than God. Of course it does. That's what deception is all about. And some of the stuff is more fun than church. For a season. For a season. You know, just once, I'd like to see an alcohol commercial where they show the guy throwing up laying in the gutter. (laughs) Or the family moving out. Because the one person can't control their drinking. They don't show that. They show 20-somethings out on the beach with beach bodies and a, and a net. And, every, and don't we all want to be 20 again? I was talking to somebody this week and said, man, I don't want to be 20 again. I'd like to be 50 again. <laughs> Just 50. That's how you sell stuff. 
especially when you're selling poison. And so what is faith? It's not just belief. Faith is the choices you make because you're confident in God and His leading. So faith is our response to God's direction. So why does faith please God? Right? I think that's a logical question. If he said this is the only thing that pleases him, why? Wouldn't you want to know that? I would. I do. When we get faith, when we give him control of our lives, it demonstrates our love for him and our confidence in the decisions that he's making for us. See, that's our real problem. We don't like the decisions God's making for us. How many of you love all the decisions God's made for you in life? Not me, brother. I don't like all the decisions God's made. I know I needed it. I know it was important. I'm glad that I learned it now. But there's some rough stuff out there, isn't there? Jesus said, if you follow after me, the world will hate you like it hates me. Listen, follow Jesus and the world's going to hate you. That's exciting, isn't it? That's not, even, that's not what's sold today. What's sold today is when if you accept Christ, he comes in and makes your whole life better. And we define better. I will say that that's true. But we have to define what's better. My life is better when I'm on his agenda. When Paul, when Saul was persecuting the church, he was not stoned a single time. He had never been shipwrecked. All that came after. But his life was better. We have a very self-centered view in relation to God. Listen, didn't Jesus give up his right to be worshipped when he came? Said that he laid it. Have you read about the self-emptying of Christ in your in your scriptures? The Gnosis? Where he laid down the expression of his glory and clothed himself in humanity? I don't think <laughs> this could be challenged and I'm sure it will be by somebody. I think the hardest part of the cross was not what they did to his body, but it's when, this, when he became sin for us. I think that was the hardest part. And I think before that, the hardest part was not revealing the glory of himself. To put a shroud upon that. Of flesh. And so faith pleases God because it says, I'm confident that you know what's best for me. Otherwise, why are we praying to change our circumstances? Have you ever wondered that? Now, we're supposed to pray. 
if there's something we don't like, you know what we ought to do? I want to challenge you guys to do this. Ooh, this is exciting. Say, God either change my circumstances or give me the understanding so I know why these are best. You ready to take the challenge? <laughs> Everybody got quiet. Lord, change my circumstances or let me understand why these are best. Isn't that what faith's about? And so we move from we move from how to please him to how faith develops. So I'm so glad you asked because I can't leave you without a pathway. See, faith develops, it begins with God. And when we look at Enoch here, we see some things that he believed about God and we learn from this passage. But the question is, what do you believe about God? You know, I have a Christian friend, or somebody who claims to be a Christian, who's suspicious about a lot of things. <clears throat> who wonders about the creation. Who wonders about evolution, which was rejected by Darwin. Read it. It's in his book. He rejects it. He doesn't hold to it. He can't prove it. And it violates. It falls apart if you study it. But evolution completely denies the existence of God, doesn't it? Well, God didn't create us. We came out of some soup. I used to be a lentil, and now I'm a man. That was the paramecium. Well, it was a big bang. I've never crashed my car into anything that, that improved my vehicle. If an elephant runs into a tree in the woods, I don't find a piano. I find a dead elephant and a tree that's fell over. The Big Bang, not true. All right, well, let's move this directly to God. Well, God kind of started this whole thing, and then now he's taking his hands off to look at the world today. So God's hands are off. He started this whole thing. So I can't really have this personal relationship with God because he's way over there and I'm way over here and he really is not interested anyway. They did the, he did the cross because he loves us because he kind of had to. But it's not out of a, a, uh, a driving heart. That's what some people believe. We're actually going to address that in my class. Coming up. Or God's sitting there in, in heaven waiting for you to mess up so he can go and hit you with a big stick and punish you. I'm going to punish you. Who would want to cuddle up to that? Nobody. 
We have to understand. Some people are like, well, I'm not even sure God exists. You ever met those people? You work with any of them? I have, not here, but I have. I love the I love talking to an atheist. I can almost always turn an atheist into an agnostic. Because the only way to say there is no God is to have 100% complete knowledge. You have to claim to be God with all knowledge to say there is no God. And if you can't claim that, then you have to admit that God can exist outside of you. Then, So you move from atheism to agnosticism. Say, he could be real, but I haven't met him yet. And that's when you say, that's why I'm here. To share him with you. We work with them all the time. Humanistic. There's even in the church today. There's churches in this this town <laughs> that believe in modalism. How many of you've ever studied modalism? The hands are flying up. Modalism rejects the Trinity. It says God becomes the Father, and then He became the Son. And then he becomes the Holy Spirit. And he expresses himself that way. It's a heresy. It denies the three persons of the Trinity. How can Jesus be subject to the things only the Father knows if they're of the same mind? But they are the same mind because they're both God. But they're different persons. Part of the Trinity. Interesting. You want to discuss that later? Stephen will be available. (laughs) And so faith develops over time. He says two things. You must believe that he is. You must believe that he exists. We need to get an accurate picture of who he is. We don't. We really don't. If I were to ask you to name ten characteristics of God, could you do it? And you're like, please don't call on me. <laughs> or you're going, well, that's three. What's four? Could you do it? Let's turn this around. Could I do it? Do we really know him if we can't even tell you what he's like? We know the big ones, love and Holy and forgiveness and long suffering. We're up to four. Is that something it possesses or is that a characteristic? Right? But we say we love him, but we don't even know him. We need to know who God is. We need to know. And you know what we do is we assign things to God based upon experiences that we've had. Well, God don't love me because He let that happen. Listen. I could curl some of your hairs with some of the stories of things that have been done to me in the name of God. And you know what? Probably some of y'all could curl mine. 
And so we must we must believe that he is. And you make your picture. The second part of this is we must believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Like, why would I go to him if he's not going to reward me with what I'm seeking? You know, why seek after him if he's going to go, all right, you found me. I've got nothing for you. You see, so if we break that down, the idea that we have to believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him, we have to actually be seeking him. We have to seek him. There's a reward for those who seek him. Are you seeking him? And you better be ready if you say yes, because I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. I would say that I'm not seeking him the way I ought to be. The fact that I'm still here tells me that. To seek him, we have to know him and actively look for him. Are you doing that with your life? Or is all your life with you in view? Are you seeking to know him? Are you talking to him? Are you asking because you want to? When good things happen, are you getting... How many... (laughs) How many of you go back and thank God when something good happens? How many of you pray when something bad happens? Maybe that's why bad stuff's happening, so we talk to Him once in a while. Seek Him. We have to actively look for Him in everything. And what does it mean to be a rewarder of those who seek you? This is so cool. Don't miss this. If we're seeking God, and He's a rewarder of those who seek Him, what is the reward? Yes. He gives you what you're seeking. We have to believe that as we seek after Him, He's going to reveal Himself and give of Himself to us. Otherwise, why would we do it? And so I have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who'll give himself if I seek him. That's how faith develops. Because as I'm traveling this journey and I'm believing that he is and I'm seeking after him and I'm traveling this journey and I'm going and things are happening and I'm going, Lord, where are you? What's going on? Help me understand. What are you doing in my life? Why has this come? What are you saying to me because of it? Is there anything or is it just life and you just want me to rest and be still and know that you're God? And if he says nothing, you keep moving and you don't stop seeking. And if he says something, you receive the lesson, you receive the blessing. See, the word blessing, I think, is misunderstood. People say, well, if you give, if you give back, there'll be a blessing. God will pour out blessings from heaven. And we think of blessings as these wonderful things that we enjoy, like candy kisses or money in our account or happy days or this cancerous tumor just falls off and it it hits the ground and vaporizes. It bounces into dust. 
I don't think that that's what blessed is. I mean, those things are wonderful. I think the bless, what blessing is, is understanding what God's up to. Man, that's, to me, more valuable than any of that. Money doesn't matter. That's, just like that. We've seen it over and over and over and over. If money was the solution, not, there wouldn't be ever a millionaire that commits suicide. People, <laughs> we've had several. We've had several in the last year that have committed suicide that were mega money. Something was good. You know why people commit suicide? Because that is the greatest hope they see at the moment. If they had hope in this life and hope in Him, they wouldn't do it. But they don't. That's the only hope they have of escape. And so we have to believe that He's a rewarder. It means He he sees the fact that you're not seeking your own things. It sees the fact that you have placed value on Him and rewards you by giving what you're seeking Him. And so what you believe about God will determine how your faith develops, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I think the most important thing, the most important calling we have is to understand who we are in Christ and who God is. Because if we don't understand those two things, the rest of this is going to clunk along. You know, I saw somebody the other day who designed triangular-shaped wheels. And they found a way to go down the road with triangular-shaped wheels. I'm not kidding you. It all has to do with the rotation and how they hit. My only concern with that is what happens when you turn a corner and they have a different line. But that's my inexperienced mind. I haven't created triangular wheels that will roll down the road. So Enoch was was an example of how to walk. And so what do we learn from that? Well, let me ask you a few questions, or a couple questions here. Is there anything in your view of God that's hindering you from complete surrender to Him? Is there anything in your view of God that's keeping you? Well, you're you're afraid that He's going to put you in a situation where you get hurt? That's a good one, right? Who in here wants to be hurt today? Anybody? Nobody. We're afraid it's going to hurt us. Maybe we see him as a mean judge. That Mark, he's just, I'm just waiting for him to get out of line. He went to wait long. A strict parent. Kids always believe their parents are stricter than they actually are. You ever notice that? How many of you have thought have thought that about your parents? Raise your hand. Right? And how many of your parents being on the other side kind of know that what you're really doing was loving your kid? 
Now, why can't we take that lesson into our relationship with God? A strict parent. Maybe God has disappointed you. Has God ever disappointed you? He's disappointed me. I understand. I get it. And you know what I did? I assigned the behavior of people to God. And I had to recover from that. That was rough. But every time I walk, I get hurt. So was Jesus. Okay, next. Steve and I were talking about that a couple weeks ago, I think. Maybe you see him as an uninterested party. Or maybe you see him as someone who loves you and wants to be involved in your life. What if I told you that was true? That Jesus really wanted to be actively involved with you? What if that's true? What if he said, you know, there, you know those people in life who just say, man, I'd really like to be their friend. You ever met people like that? I just really want to be their They just seem really cool. I want to be their friend. And you try to be their friend. But we don't see God like that. Why wouldn't we want to be his friend? The problem is, is we have a, a faulty view. So is there anything in your view of God that's hindering you from complete surrender to him? And are you willing to ask him about it? God, am I seeing this right? Have you abandoned me because this happened? God, why does it always seem that when I put myself out there, I get stepped on? <laughs> That's a big one, right? We can go across this room and you could all tell me stories on that one, I promise. Welcome to the crowd. Two, what would it take for you to trust God completely with the rest of your life? How many of you have ever known the right thing to do, but you didn't do it? Right? Come on. <laughs> That's so funny because like half of you were like, get me. And the other half were like, I hope we don't call on me. <laughs> we know that it's right to follow him. But the cost keeps us from doing it. We think the cost is too high. Let me tell you something. The cost is too high to not follow. It is. It's too high. Three. Realize that it's your faith that makes a big impact, not the size of the effort or the crowd you draw. Boy, we are so programmed into that in this country. You are a success if everybody loves you. And everybody wants to come. And everybody wants this. And we got all these things that we measure success by. And I've sat in meetings with other religious leaders where that was the rule and my heart broke. I don't ever want to measure success based on that. I want to measure success whether or not I did what God wanted me to do. That's success. And if it's one, if it's 500, if it's 5 billion, it's the exact same 
It's the exact same. It's not about numbers. You see, we think we have to do something big to make a big impact. What could be bigger than falling in love with God so much that He wants you to be with Him? I don't see where Enoch ever spoke to massive crowds. Enoch never compared himself to Billy Graham. Enoch just loved God. And it pleased him. And God took him. He spoke the truth. He didn't shy away from that. But it was very simple. And all the traps, all the stuffing things that we think we got to do today. I think Enoch is an excellent example of how to walk. You know, there was this trapeze artist. And he was in a, this arena. This is back when they used to have circuses. Now, do you see where they're doing them, virtual circuses now? Did y'all see that? They actually put up screens and they project elephants running in a circle. I'm not, I saw it, yeah. It was like, I was like, are you serious? <laughs> But there's this trapeze artist. And he pulled out this wheelbarrow. You know, and everybody's listening. He said, How many of you believe that I can wheelbarrow a person across this wire and the whole arena? And he said, All right, I need a volunteer in the whole arena. Went silent. I think that's exactly what we do with God. Oh, we believe you can do this. We believe you can do anything. All right, I need a volunteer. Oh. See, we live in the realm of belief. And we never cross into the realm of faith. Because of fear and other things. Or hurts from the past. Things people have said or done. Listen, can God deal with them? Yep, let him do it. I'm going to tell you, here's the truth. I'm embarrassed to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway because I want to give you hope. God spoke to me and has been speaking to me for about a year about a guy that I hurt. I called him this week. I said, I'm going to obey you, God. I'm going to do what you ask. I don't care how it turns out. I called him and I asked him to forgive me. He said, I forgave you a long time ago. We had a wonderful conversation. Come to find out his wife just passed away about two months ago. Unexpectedly. Which I can understand because my friend did too. And so I was able to minister to him. And he's probably moving back to town and we made plans to get together. I'm going to tell you something. If you, you better listen to God. He knows what he's doing. No offense, but you and I, we're stupid compared to him. Compared to God, I know I'm in trouble with all the parents with young children now. Compared to God, we don't know nothing. That had bothered me for the longest time. It's like, how do I, you know where you go, you're like, well, it's been this long, how do I do it? And it's been, 
And I had a friend that used to always deal with difficult things like super fast. Said, Just do it, get it over with, do it, get it over with, do it, get it over with. And it was a wonderful conversation. And so my encouragement to you is, it's never as bad as you think. <laughs> That's the reason I didn't call. Maybe one, maybe you'll get to meet him in six months. He said he'll be back in about six months. We'll see. But I want I also want you to know I understand. I understand how hurt and fear can delay you and keep you from the blessing of the moment of God working. I completely get it. Obedience and faith go hand in hand. We have to let him have his way. And if you think I'm talking to you, I am. Because that's the Holy Spirit speaking. And what speaks about this is I had to live this stuff this week. <laughs> but that's also what's beautiful about it. You don't give me no slack. <laughs> but that also stinks. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.